so we want to do something special for you today. Uh, we want <clears throat> to read the Passion story according to the Gospel of Matthew as written in the New Revised Standard Version. And so we're going to do a reader's theater. And that means we're going to, to read the whole Passion story, starting from the triumphant entry right up until the cross. And we really want you to just to hear, just to hear all at one time, all of the pieces put together, what happened in Jesus' last days. And so you don't need to watch us. We're not going to be acting it out. We're simply reading the word. And we just want to invite you to just listen and hear the great gift that Jesus offers us and the frailty of our humanity in this deep, dark uh, series of days. So we present to you the passion of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the, Hosanna highest. Hosanna in the, in the highest heaven. heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Then Jesus said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. What? No. This can't be true. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and they conspired to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the festival, or there may be a riot among the people. Now while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, Why this waste? For this ointment could have been sold for a large sum and the money given to the poor. Remember the poor? We're supposed to help the poor, remember? But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble this woman? Don't trouble this woman. She has performed a good service for me, for you always have the poor with you. You will always have the poor. There will be poor always. But you will not always have me. You won't have Jesus. By pouring this ointment on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Then one of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, 
What will you give me if I betray Jesus to you? They paid him 30 pieces of silver. 30. And from that moment on, he began to look for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Betrayer. Murderer. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where do you want us to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, Jesus took his place with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed and began to say to him one after another, Surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, Lord. Surely not I, Lord. Lord. He answered, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better not to have been born. Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. He replied, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. This is my body I give to you. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung the hymns, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Three times. Truly I tell you, this very night, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the apostles. I will not deny you. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. He was upset, agitated. Please stay awake with me. That's all I ask. I am deeply grieved, even to death. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Father, is this what you want? Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, So could you not stay awake with me one hour? 
He said to Peter, So could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again he went away for the second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived, and with him was a large crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Arrest him. At once he came up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you are here to do. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. Suddenly one of those with Jesus put his hand on his sword, drew it, and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put the sword back into its place, for all those who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once send more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled, which say it must happen in this way? All of this has taken place so that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place so that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled, all of them. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, in whose house the scribes and the elders had gathered. But Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards in order to see how this would end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for false testimony against Jesus, so that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At least two came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. The high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer? What is it they testify against you? But Jesus was silent. Then the high priest said to him, I put you under oath before the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. The Son of God? Are you the Messiah? Jesus said to him, you have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He is blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spat in his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Messiah. Who is it that struck you? Now, Peter was sitting just outside in the, in the courtyard, 
a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before all of them, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. When he went out to the porch, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the crowd, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again he denied it with an oath, I do not know this man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to curse, and he swore an oath, I do not know the man. At that moment, the cock crowed. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Three times. Three. And he went out and wept bitterly. When morning came, all of the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus in order to bring about his death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he repented and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. He said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, What is it, what is it to us? See to it yourself. Throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed and went and hanged himself. Judas threw down the pieces of silver and went out and hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since they are blood money. After conferring together, they used them to buy the potter's field as a place to bury foreigners. For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of the one on whom a price had been set, on whom some of the people of Israel had set a price, and they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord commanded me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You say so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many accusations they make against you? But he gave no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? All of them said, Let, Let him be crucified. crucified. Then he asked, Why? What evil has he done? 
but they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified! So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then the people as a whole answered, His blood be on us and our children. So he released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole cohort around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand and knelt before him and mocked him, saying, Hell, king of the Jews. They spat on him, and they took the reed and struck him on the head. After mocking him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they came upon a man from Cyrene named Simon. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink, mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his clothes among themselves by casting lots. Then they sat down there and kept watch over him. Over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This This is is Jesus. Jesus. King King of the the Jews. Then the two bandits were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he wants to. For he said, I am God's son. The bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, This man is calling for Elijah. At once, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, Wait, Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. How often do we hear the story of the the events of the last week of Jesus' life told like that from beginning to end? We are so used to hearing the gospel, even, even parts of Scripture in general, in, in bits and pieces. And there's something to be said for hearing Scripture that way. It helps us to digest it. It helps us to consider what God is calling us to lean into as a church, or it helps us to consider how God might, might be using um, that moment in Scripture, or that, that piece of Scripture, 
to change us and to shape us and make us more like his son Jesus. But, but I wonder what we miss by hearing the story in bits and pieces as we are accustomed to. Perhaps more than any other time, the simple telling of the story of Jesus' life, the last week of Jesus' life, from palm to passion, from triumphal entry to terrible suffering, from adoration to dying alone, perhaps more than any other time, the simple telling of this story from beginning to end would draw us into the significance of this holy week in ways that we have never experienced before. When you consider what we are used to on Palm Sunday, the pomp, the music, the celebration, the the gathering together of our voices and, and lifting him and entering that chorus of Hosanna with those that we read about on the road into Jerusalem, when you hold that up to the simple telling of the story, stripped down, nothing added, we might just realize the gift we have been given today. This week, when life as we are used to, worship as we are used to, has been stripped down and simplified in ways that are so out of the ordinary, that maybe, just maybe, the ordinary telling of the greatest story ever told will impact us in ways that we could never imagine. And while for us as a staff and for so many of you that we have spoken with, the thought of not being together this week, the thought of not gathering together in the same space on Easter Sunday is crushing I believe very much that we have the opportunity this Holy Week to experience the magnitude of what Jesus walked through in ways that we've never experienced it before. And as I've thought about entering into a Holy Week that will look so different than what we're used to, I want to try to frame it in a way that helps us to begin to grasp not only the magnitude of it, but but perhaps create a connecting point for us in the midst of it. The thing that allows us to lean into experiencing the significance of this week in ways that we never have. The hope of Easter in ways that we never have. And ultimately looking forward to coming together and stirring our hearts for God and one another in ways that we never have before. I want to read, going back to Matthew's account, which was just told for us. I want to read um, specifically the the story of of Jesus' prayer in the garden. We'll be in Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse 36. Then Jesus went to his disciples, went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. Then he came back, and he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. In this simple account of Jesus' prayer on the eve of his death, we find the one 
we worship already experiencing the pain of suffering. We see the one who heals the wounds and comforts the broken experiencing the weight and the pain of the agony of what is to come. And we tend to think that the most agonizing point in Jesus' life is the suffering that he will experience on the cross. But here we have a window into a suffering that might be just as great. That might allow us to hear in the prayers of our Savior, to hear behind those words that he is speaking to the Father, the words that he would turn and speak to us. Those words that provide us comfort from others when we hear them in our times of need. Perhaps in the agony of Jesus in the garden, we see him turn to us and we hear the words, I know, I know what you are feeling. Remember that in Matthew's gospel account up to this point, Jesus has predicted for his disciples that he would suffer and die. Jesus is not surprised by what awaits him. He knows the physical pain that is ahead for him. He has prepared his disciples for it, and so we must believe that he is prepared for it. Which leads us to ask, where does this anguish come from? Where does the the soul overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death come from? Yes, the pain of the cross will be unimaginable. But perhaps what we see here is that Jesus' realization that the pain of separation from his Father will be unbearable. In this moment, we see Jesus wrestling with moving from the cup of fellowship that he has just shared with his disciples to the cup of wrath that awaits him on the cross. For early Christians to hear in Matthew's account of Jesus' prayer, Jesus asking his Father in heaven to take this cup from him, in hearing that, it would immediately call to memory the history of their people, the people of Israel. We know that when when God speaks to the prophets and and tells them to prophesy to the wicked nations that they are going to experience the cup of wrath from God, that they are prophesying that these wicked nations will experience suffering. But we also know that when God expresses his displeasure with his own people, Israel, over their rebellion, he speaks to them of the cup of wrath that they must drink, a cup in which they will experience suffering. A cup in which they will walk through the discipline that God has planned for them so that they might realize their need for God. A cup which will result in them feeling separation from God. In which they will feel that God has removed his blessing from them. In Jesus' prayer, in his pleading with the Father, what we hear is the agony for Jesus over the thought of God's wrath. Over the sinfulness of humanity resulting in Jesus being separated from his Father. It is his agony over being alone that we hear from Jesus. A separation that he has never experienced and a loneliness that he has never known before. And Jesus approaches this time of agony not by shying away from it like we tend to, not by trying to flee from it or avoid suffering like we are so apt to do. As painful as this is going to be for Jesus, as agonizing the thought we see in Jesus' prayer, what we see is a willingness A willingness ultimately to trust God's plan. To walk through the pain of suffering and the pain of abandonment as the greatest display of God's heart for humanity that we have ever seen. What we see here in the wrestling is not a Jesus who is trying to back out, but a Jesus who is bracing for impact. In this season of loneliness in which so many of us find ourselves, in this season in which the fear of the unknown feels all too real, friends, what we see here in the garden And that is approaching in this holy week as a Jesus who is willing to suffer alone so that you don't have to. 
A Jesus who is willing to walk through what lies ahead so that the unknown of your future is secured in a God who loves you. What we see here is Jesus facing the agony of this moment without the help of his disciples so that you do not have to walk through the loneliness of this season without wondering if anyone knows what you are experiencing. Friends, Jesus knows. Jesus will experience the loneliness of his suffering so that you no longer have to suffer alone. Jesus will drink the cup of God's wrath so that you can experience God's comfort and peace. God's love in ways that surround you and support you and uplift you. Jesus will drink the cup of God's wrath so that even in your failing, even in your stumbling, even in your wrestling over sin, because Jesus will experience separation from God, you might know in the midst of all of your doubt, all of your guilt, you might know that there is nothing that can separate you from God's love for you. Jesus will walk into the darkness of that separation from his Father so that no matter how dark tomorrow might look, that beyond whatever the world may look like right now, whatever the world is throwing at you, you would know that your future is secure. Will you walk through this holy week, living in this time when life is stripped down, And will you you experience with us the simplicity and the power of the greatest story ever told in ways that you have never experienced it, in ways that the busyness of our lives too often keep us from experiencing it? Will you allow yourself to step into the story of life with God made possible by Jesus in a life that has been stripped down we enter into this holy week together. May you find hope in that.